Hello, everyone. Madeline Dale here, and I am back with another episode for you guys on Book Chat. And today I've got a fantastic guest for you to meet. I'm going to bring him in and let him introduce himself. So take it away, my friend. Yeah. Hi, Maddie. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Yeah. So, so my name's David Edward. Um, I started writing books. I published my first book just uh, in uh, February of 2021. Um, yes. So not that long ago, but but since then, I've written 45 books. Holy cow. You yeah. have been busy. I have been busy. So my, I guess my, my background, I guess my story, the, the quick story. So um, got out of high school, went to college. Uh, college wasn't really for me. So I joined the army. I was a special agent in the uh, army. I invaded Panama and arrested Noriega. Um, I spent six months at the Soto Cano Air Base in Honduras. Uh, we were intercepting DC-9s that, uh, full of cocaine that were flying up from Columbia. Then my state-bound assignment was with the 513th MI out of Fort Monmouth, who two weeks before I got there had been sent over to Desert Storm. Um, so I had, a, I, had a fun, I had a fun military enlistment. Uh, when I could have re-enlisted, I realized that, you know, college wasn't that bad. Uh, so I didn't re-enlist, and I got out, and I went out, and I finished school. I, I have a bachelor's degree, three master's degree, and a doctorate in engineering. Nice. Um, and I've done all kinds of things. I, I own a couple of the companies, successful companies. I've been the president of a university, uh, and I decided I wanted to start writing. Um, and like a lot of people, I didn't know how to do it. So I would watch shows like yours where I could listen to other authors yeah. talking and that kind of stuff. And uh, my first book was called Alamosa. And it took me uh, two, a little over two years to write it. Um, and it really probably isn't that good. Uh, people tell me the story's good. And once they get into it and they kind of figure out what I'm doing, they can tolerate it. But, I, but it, you know, it, it wasn't great. So, but I'm not, my personality, you can probably already tell, isn't that I quit and try something else. So I'm like, screw this. So I have been writing between 1,500 and 6,000 words a day for uh, a year and a half. I've written over a million words, published 45 books, split down the middle. Half of them are history or history related. The other half are um, historical fiction. They're, they're, they're fiction, they're thrillers basically, but I, I tend to write um, back in time periods that I lived through versus today. I don't find today very interesting for thrillers, <laughs> to be honest. It's just, I mean, the entire story is what the pe two people call themselves on the cell phone. Someone looks at a map and the, the, there's no story. So I, li I like the stuff in history, which is a little harder to get the information around. Yeah. So, and I've, I've had um, this book, which one? This one, Panama Red, is a little bit of a success. It sold about 60,000 copies, mm -hmm. uh, kicked off the series, and the series has sold about 100,000 copies. So that's kind of my biggest, my biggest hit. Sweet. Okay, first off, I am super blown away by everything you have accomplished and super that's that is awesome. Well, and I appreciate I appreciate that. It, it's not accomplishments, it's just doing stuff. I mean, you know, what am yeah. I gonna do? Watch TV? True. So yeah. I'm yeah. not a major like TV watcher myself. So and it's consisted of mostly cartoons since I have had my son <laughs> when it is on. But okay, I have to ask because you said you started publishing earlier in 21. Did you have some of this stuff written beforehand before you started publishing? You just kind no, of just no. I, I, I spent two, over two years on the first book, and 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 we can talk about the 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 way I write now versus I, when I started writing that. You know, like like everyone else, I watched all the, the YouTube videos, and I I just wanted like, how do you write a book, right? And yeah. the basic, the general theme of the advice was generally. Don't worry about it. Your first draft is going to suck. Just dedicate yourself, get it down on paper, get it finished, and then you can spend your time and go back and go through it. So I did that. 
it was a nightmare yeah. because I got I, I was a better writer by the end of the book than I was at the beginning of the book. So my style had had changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't keeping track of the details of some of the story plots that, that are important. Um, and then when I went back and tried to reread it, it was just terrible. So, I mean, I probably wrote the first draft in uh, about six months or so. Um, and I also didn't necessarily, I didn't write it in order. So Mm -hmm. I I would, and then when I was fixing it, you know, I'd go back and I'd work on something in the front, but I'm a better writer now. Now the stuff leading into it and the stuff coming out of it's not that good. So I got to work on that. And it's just, you know, it just took forever and it was a slog. And I, I, I decided that the internet gives you that advice because they don't want other people, they don't want people writing books, right? Because they're trying to be anti-competitive and whoever's given the advice, uh, they, they know it's bad advice, but it's the advice we get. That is. It's, it's hard to write a book. And as I like to keep in mind, it's you're, there's always room for improvement with everything you do, everything you write, you're constantly improving, finding better ways to put stuff down, better ways to order it, or even just use like normal conversation between your characters. So. Yeah, look, it, it's hard to start a book. It's really hard to write a book. It's near impossible to finish a book. Oh, yeah. um, so I tell people, just like you advice, I always tell them, if you, want, if, if you think you want to be a writer and you want to write a book, pick a story that you want to know the ending of because that way you're as motivated as everyone else to get to the end of that thing and see what the heck happens. That's a good way to go about it. I haven't ever thought of it like that because my brain always just like plays it out in my head. It's weird. So I'm one of those organized chaos kind of writers. I have notebooks and sticky notes just like spread out and it's, it works, but I mean, you know, so what is your like process? Like when you get a story idea, do you like plot or pants? Yeah, I um, refuse to use either of those terms. Just so yeah. you know, I, I'm I'm a, I'm I'm an old guy, but I'm new to this industry, and I'm and I'm and, and the industry is joining me. I'm not joining it, so I'm not I'm not a pantser. I'm not an outliner, any of that stuff. Um, although the process is going to sound a lot more like pantsing, mm-hmm. uh, but that's not really what it is. So my process is very unique. So what I'll do is I. I tell myself a story, a simple story, like what's interesting, basically what would be an interesting time period? What would be an interesting character or an interesting problem? And then what's an interesting arc for a character? And I do that day after day after day until I remember a single story because a good idea stick around um, and until I feel like, okay, yeah, that's the story. So that's, that's, I guess we'll call that, well, that's not even my outline yet. That's, that's the, that's the framework. And then I will go find a picture that I start off thinking that picture will be the cover. It has never made it to be the book cover, but I start something to look at. Um, and uh, then I just start to um, kind of frame it out. And, uh, oh, and then I'll, I'll write the book blurb. So I'll write the back of the book, you know, what you would read to, um, if you wanted to yeah. see if you want to buy it. And then I, then I just say to myself, okay, I know what this book is about. I can see the book cover. I can read the book blurb, write that book. And then that's what I do. I like that idea because I yeah. found myself doing that a lot too. And then I'm like, okay, wait, I changed the story. I'm going to change the blur, but I really like what I came up with. So. Oh yeah. You, you got to Yeah. You got to be willing. You can't, you, you got to be willing to go back and you keep revising the book blurb. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I mean, so basically that's my outline, but it's not an outline. Like we talk about outline bullet points and the list and timelines yeah. and all that yeah. scenes yeah. or it's, it's all that stuff. Yeah. I always like to consider that a little bit of planning goes into the pantsing kind of aspect because you do have to kind of do some research sometimes depending on what you write. And well, I do ton, I do tons of research. I mean, the beautiful thing with the internet, you know, we we don't know we we've we've forgotten how 
great we have it from a research standpoint because I can pretty much, especially since I'm doing uh, historical time periods, like I've written stuff in the 1860s and the 1920s and the 1980s. Mm-hmm. So I can just use the internet. And when I have to research something, it doesn't take any time at all. I can just research. I actually have a couple monitors and then I have one monitor is basically my research monitor. The other one's my writing monitor. Sweet. Um, so yeah. that actually makes it a lot easier, especially like with the organizing stuff like that. Cause I do the same thing. And really I have to admit this is my husband's computer. I just kind of took it over when I entered <laughs> the writing world. Right. He's a gamer. So he's got the two monitors and stuff. And I'm just like, okay, so I'll have stuff pulled up on one and then all this stuff here. And I'm like, okay, we're good. I got all my stuff and just keep going. And I've actually found it's really hard to go back to writing on just like my laptop after working with two screens. I, I can barely do it. I, I can I can take the laptop when I'm watching sports or something and I can work through something that was very much in my head or a scene or something, but I can't take the story very forward because I am constantly, you know, looking stuff up and, and trying to figure stuff out. Because, you know, when you're writing historical fiction, mm-hmm. it's got to ring true to some of the things that happen now it doesn't necessarily like if, if one of my characters is going to see the play annie in mm-hmm. 1987 i don't necessarily need to know whether annie was still on broadway or whether it was off broadway. i mean you know but i but i will still look it up and not always follow the exact truth but get close enough so that um it yeah. fits in with the time period yeah and it's weird how some readers get very very picky about certain things like that it kind of it's like this is a work of fiction guys remember that <laughs> so. yeah. yeah well but but that way so if you if you take the details that don't really impact the story and you get them right then it's just one less thing that people have to worry about um when they are uh you know deciding they don't like your book yeah yeah so when it comes to your readers do you, do you find that they've like enjoyed more of one piece of your work than the other? Well, you know, you're, you're a little detached from the readers to, to some degree. So I don't necessarily know um, of the folks. So I, I basically, I've got all the history books I've, I've talked about. I've got a book on Atlantis, which is uh, a, a, a real book, not, not a, a story book, um, but that's a different group of people. And then I have three series. I have a science fiction series. I have a, I thought I was writing horror, but no one thought it was scary enough. So now I now call it her paranormal series. Mm-hmm. And then I have my thriller series, you know, the action military thriller stuff. And I don't know that those audiences are necessarily crossing over. Yeah. Um, although I consistently get a lot of reviews that are less than perfect. So, you know, maybe, maybe someone's, maybe, maybe the people that don't like it are the ones crossing over. Could be. And I mean, those are not bad reviews because I feel like all, more often than not, it, they're honest reviews. So when I get those five stars reviews, I question whether they actually read it. So I'm like, I know my work's not perfect, but I mean, as long as you enjoyed it, I'll take it. You know, it, it's it's interesting. I don't fully, I mean, look, it's hard to write a book. So even a bad book, and especially when you know it's from a, like, you know, I, we have a, I'm a very small time author and, and it's a small rinky dink publisher. Um, so a lot of people really bled to get that book out. And I don't fully understand the mindset of someone who wants to come along and, and feel smart and give it one stars, write a paragraph about how everyone should be killed. Um, I, I have those reviews. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and they used to devastate me. I mean, I read all of them. Um, there's probably a grain of truth in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, all the reviews, the good reviews and the bad reviews, you know, there's something you can, you can take away from it. There's something people like or they don't, but I don't really understand the energy that gets put into some of the negativity, but it's not just with book reviews. It's the entire, entire internet. If, if you've ever heard of the internet before, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a very friendly, loving place. Oh yeah. Oh, no. Oh no. It's the opposite <laughs> of that. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. the, the, the primary emotion on the internet is rage, right? And that carries over everywhere. 
and it's sad that it is because you those trolls they like to hit post hard with reviews and stuff it's just like really is this necessary like well, whatever you know we, we won't talk politics and i don't know what any of it matters but i smile I, I i can't stop smiling that amazon is discovering that their own review system doesn't really work and i have yes. suffered i have suffered um you know, people that have very high Amazon rankings that, that just come down and, and do one, just the straight one star. And I've, I've tried to discuss it with them. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm like, there's no, it doesn't, it doesn't say verified purchase. I know they didn't read it. Um, but, and they're, and they're very, with me, they're very callous and, and, you know, all this stuff with themselves, you know, so maybe, maybe that'll be, maybe that'll fix some of this. I don't know. But yeah. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy that they're having to eat their own dog food a little bit. I have to be honest about that. Even though they're the biggest book platform there is. So I'm not, I'm not making them mad. I'm their friend. I love them. But, yeah. yeah, they, it's a love-hate relationship with them, I'd say, for any author. Because they have the benefits and then there's the not-so-awesome benefits. Because I've, I've had author buddies that they've, like, took out, taken down their stuff. So I'm like, I mean, you have to tiptoe, like, on eggshells. Because they didn't, it was something about, like, somebody had pirated their work on a different website so they flagged their original book as like hey you don't have the rights to this and it just yeah whole debacle no, they, they'll make some arbitrary decisions that i don't understand and then they won't communicate or allow you to ask questions about it and just like you know what they're what, what they're going through now it affects their bottom line but for us authors if you're one of those books it's it's on amazon affects our bottom line too yeah. uh we're just not them so yeah uh, yeah that's insane but whatever it's all yeah. good hey amazon's 85 percent of the market i've tried selling on all the other markets including barnes and noble and unless you're you know for, especially for ebooks you can't sell every ebook yourself so you, yeah. you're gonna have to deal with amazon until something changes that is true. It's like the necessary evil kind of it, thing. It is. It is. And it's not awful. If you stay in the middle of the road, it's not awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you put up with uh, some inconveniences, it's, it's not awful. Um, but it's a big market. Yeah, it is. It is. And I have to admit that because I've tried going wide, but I still get more sales on the Amazon front than I do others. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, we're going to keep just keep doing what we're doing and it's, it's it's what it is right now. I don't know what it'll be in ten years. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, but the nice thing is that uh, if you you know self publish on on Amazon or if your if your publisher puts it on Amazon, you've signed a good contract. If the markets change, you can just you, they don't own it, so you you can uh, you can move with the markets. That is good. So. Okay, and I have to ask, what? Okay, your latest book published was what again? Well, I've, you know, I published so many friggin' books. I have two short stories that came yeah. out like a, a week ago. My, my my big tentpole book called The Bigs just came out about three weeks ago. Okay. And it's the third in the Paranormal series. Uh, the second book was called The Smalls. Third book yeah. is The Bigs. You can see the, the relationship there. I had the book on Atlantis came out in April. And and I'm getting a lot of play on that book. In fact, I was just on Coast to Coast AM, if you've ever heard of it. It's a big time. I have. It actually, I want to say I had a friend on it recently, but I can't remember when yeah. it was. It may have been a couple months ago because everything kind of blends together <laughs> right now. Sure. Yeah, no, it's a big time radio show. You got to stay up till three in the morning because that, you know, it's it's an overnight show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm having I'm having lots of success. But I think and then and then um, this book, Down Ballot, which was the last one in in the, my thriller series and the first part of the thriller series, came out about about four months ago too. So I've been I'm I'm busy. 
a good keep, busy though it sounds like so tell me more about your paranormal series like what creatures and stuff do you have going on in there well so what i tried to do there and it's called paranormal oaths is the series name the first book is alamosa my first which was my first book and i tried to make that a kind of a, a paranormal western uh philo philosophical thriller yeah um which it is it is and then and and so what i what i do is uh i take a, the, a central premise of what's the difference between justice and the law and i put it in old west setting because that's where that type of thing happens and yeah. then i throw in ghosts and and the afterlife and uh you know really run the main characters around a bit uh trying to answer that question um and of course one of the characters is a judge so he's on the side of the law and of course his his kind of sidekick buddy is a kind of an everyman he's on the side of justice uh, and then they have this ghost and um named maggie and she was hung and the idea is, was she guilty or innocent? Does it matter? And what does it mean? Uh, so kind of the hook line is, you know, uh, we might have a, a second civil war because it's 1860s, 18, I'm sorry, 1880s Colorado. It all hinges on uh, the guilt or innocence of one uh, woman, but she's already dead. So, Ooh. yeah, so it's kind of cool. And, you know, and cool things happen. And then I include a lot of real history and everywhere in my book so far, are places I've been. So this place takes large takes place largely in Colorado. I lived in Colorado um, for a long time, for like a decade. Mm -hmm. So you know, all the locations are real locations. That's awesome. Does that you feel like the it? Do you feel like as an author, writing what you know works better than writing places into your work that you haven't been? When I was st starting, you know, it's the the more tools you can bring to your toolkit when you're learning how to write books the better. So if you stick to things you've experienced, not putting yourself in the book and just recanting things you experienced, but you know, I, I drove around, I drove around a ton in, in the Rocky mountains. So yeah. I have these memories of all the vistas and the plains. And it's very interesting. Everyone thinks the Rocky mountains are all up and down, up and down, but, but there's not, there's huge sweeping plains. Um, there's buttes. I learned what a butte was, you know, and, and all that stuff. So I can bring those, those visualizations, visualizations into, into my writing, which helped me early on. Now, like I said, I'm on, I'm writing book 46 and book 47 right now. So I kind of know what I'm doing. I know how to, I'm still very visual. So if I'm mm -hmm. writing someplace I haven't been, I go find pictures of it yeah. on, um, on the internet. And I just look at those pictures and I've, you know, I've been to a lot of places so that I can kind of get a feel for, in fact, I just finished a scene where the characters go to Bimini, Bimini mm -hmm. Island off the coast of Florida. Ooh. Well, I've never been there, but I've been off the coast of Florida. I've been on boats. So I just find pictures of it. And then that gives me the, the description. So I'm still describing kind of the real world. Nice. Yeah. How do, okay, I have to ask, how does that work with your Atlantis stories? Because I know Atlantis has always been something that fascinates me. So I is I'm gonna pick your brain on it. Tell me well, about that. You're in for a treat. The Atlantis story <laughs> is not it's not fiction. It it's it's yeah. uh I absolutely have found where Atlantis is. Now, Sweet. lots of people have said that. Um, but I published this book. Uh so I, I watch a lot of YouTube and there's this channel called Bright Insight, this guy Jimmy Corsetti. In 2018, mm -hmm. he kind of his channel took off because um, he did a couple of videos and he found this place in West Africa that looks like what Plato told us about Atlantis. Um, but he didn't quite seal the deal. He was on Joe Rogan and there's another guy who has a different view and they're kind of competing. But I watched all this stuff because um, I had I, I was out of chapter goddess material just so you know i watched all your stuff three or four times before i oh. dared switch to another channel but i just i appreciate I, it of course, of course. <laughs> um but then i was like you know what because because i'm a nerd 
Um, and uh, growing up in the 70s and 80s, look, I read all the books. I read uh, Chariots of the Gods, Eric Von Dan again. I watched all the TV shows. It's not like today where there's so much more content. But I, I watched it all, and I'm, I, I want to believe in, in all that stuff. But coming into the 80s when I hit high school, I mean, it kind of faded away. So I switched over and I started reading all, all the classical Greek work. I, I've read all of Plato's works five or six times. I've read something called The Histories by Herodotus. I mean, I've just all, all that work for no reason. It was just, I got to read something. I didn't find a lot of material I liked. I was still interested in things like Atlantis. So I wanted to know all about them. Um, so I had that base. And then when I watch these videos, I'm like, you know, he doesn't quite seal the deal, but I think he's onto something. So I'm going to see if I can do it. And I mentioned I was in the military. Yeah. My job, my job there was, um, I was what they call a counterintelligence agent, special agent. And mm -hmm. so I, I studied uh, a battlefield counterintelligence and what they call human, human intelligence collection. So, which is fancy sounding stuff, but all it really is, is the ability to look at what people are doing and what people are saying and put it all together to see if, like for us, because I'm looking at our troops, are we giving anything away? You know, yeah. the Tuesday night before a live fire exercise, do the do the moms always go to the 7-Eleven to get extra milk because they know that the guys aren't going to be back for a couple of weeks? This was the 80s. So that, that's, uh, that's a good analogy. Um, yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Are there trends we can pick up? on? So I had that. And then I mentioned the education. I have a doctorate in engineering. So, so mm -hmm. I know a lot about um, uh, how things are supposed to be laid out. I know a lot about the structure of things and all. So I brought those two things together. And sure enough, this guy, Jimmy, he, he this is it. He found it. He didn't actually find it, but he, he, he spread the word. So if you ever want to look up the Rishat structure or the Eye of the Sahara, um, yeah. which is in Mauritania in West Africa, uh, it is absolutely Atlantis. And then in the book, what I do is I say, okay, let's find all the real historical um, what we call primary sources um, for Atlantis. And Plato is the only, it's the only primary source. And then let's see what he said. Let's, let's start from the beginning. And then I made a couple of rules. I, I can't assume Plato's an idiot. Um, I can't dismiss anything he said because everything that you've ever seen on Atlantis or I've ever seen always starts the same way. If it's an hour show, the first half hour is amazing. You see these incredible locations, good looking people, usually scuba diving and climbing rocks. And then there are islands with beautiful blue water. Um, and then the second half is kind of a, a setup where they say, okay, well, we have to ignore this. We have to ignore this. And if we look at this this way, then maybe it's this place, this place, or this place. And that's that's how they, all the shows always are. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I want to find it. I wanna see it. If it's findable, I want to find it. So I decompose yeah. Plato into all the re his requirements because he gives us lots of measurements. And I know all about the history of it and stuff. And I overlaid it to this place. And then I, in the book, I just detail how it matches everything. When you get done and I score it, it, it matches this Rishat structure by 99.32%. So, and it's impossible. It, it's impossible for it to be a coincidence when you go through the 50 data points that you have from the time period to the geography yeah. to all that stuff. So yeah, if you have, if anyone listening, or if you want to look up the Rishat structure or the book is Atlanta solved, if you want to go buy that on Amazon, um, you will know where Atlantis is too. That was freaking amazing. Not going to lie that you just kind of blew my mind with that. Cause like growing up, you know, they make all the Disney cartoons and stuff with Atlantis and it's like, you know, that's not real, but like when you actually bring in the real stuff, it's, it's fascinating. And I'm one of those people that likes to go and explore all that kind of stuff and see it. So that's, that's going to go on my bucket list. <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. No, it, it's wildly interesting. And, and when you start to read through Plato and, and he, he wrote what they call dialogues, and I can talk about what mm -hmm. those are, but the one that talks about Atlantis, there's two that talk about Atlantis, but the one that has the most data is called Critias. Yeah. And when you, when you look at this Rishat structure and then go back and read Critias, 
it's it's like it's like an ah it's like whoa that he is talking about this place you know it's not just uh, an analogy or you know whatever they what they claim it is it's it's like no that's this is what he's describing yeah so when looking when doing all this research and stuff is there anything that surprised you in your findings that you may for have Atl- had like a misconception from for, for Atlantis things? for Atlantis yes. specifically so um there are a number of things that surprised me the first thing that surprised me is there are passages in Plato that have been ignored by everyone looking for this thing in, in, that, that, you know, that we get access to. Some scholars and some more serious researchers find it, but they don't, I don't think they apply it necessarily you know, rigorously. But there's a lot more in Plato about Atlantis than we hear or than we see. You know, we, we, there's kind of three or four main points and we get that. So that surprised me. Um, when I uh, was getting close to getting the book out, I had done a lot of surveys and, and, and online stuff, and I was surprised at the passion that many people have around what they believe and where they believe it is. Um, when I released the book, I had underestimated uh, the passion for people that might find my answer different than their answer. So I went through a round of um, uh, exciting contacts uh, where people were telling me things uh, now they didn't necessarily line up with anything I had found historically that were real, but, but they certainly believed them. Um, so that, and then the last thing that has surprised me is even when I get on a big show, like coast to coast AM or any of that stuff, and, and we talk through it and I lay the evidence out and everyone agrees, Every, you know, it's like, Oh no. Okay. That looks like you found it. Yeah. That lasts about 30 seconds. And then they're off because Atlantis has been beaten to death. Atlantis isn't findable in a lot of people's heads. It's just, they can be convinced but then when they step away from it, oh, maybe there's another interesting theory. And, and, and it seems like people like the pursuit of, uh, and the logical constructs around the idea of it more than they really want to find it um, to some degree. So I, I think those three things have absolutely surprised me. Wow. That would be kind of frustrating, honestly, just to have them deny it like that. So. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was frustrating initially. I, I just, I'm disappointed. I guess would would be the main way to look at it. Well, first off, there, there's so much noise. So how do they don't know me? Why why am I an authority, and why should they land on what I'm saying when there's a hundred other people that have bigger voices that, that seem like authorities too that are saying something else, right? Yeah. So yeah. So, but oh. we'll see. I'm still working on. It. I've got a documentary pitched with the Discovery Channel. And if we can get that out there, and I think because I think people are very visual. So listening to me explaining it or even reading it in a book and seeing all the diagrams and the measurements, that's one thing. Seeing it in a video, I think, um, I think that will help more people come around to accepting this is the is the answer. And it's weird that that's where our world is at, is they need the visual stuff rather than reading it in a book. Well, not yeah. only not only that, but uh, you know this as a YouTuber, the attention yeah. span, just since I've been doing this for two years, the attention yes. span's going down. It's so, true. Yeah. And TikTok is making it kind of worse. They're like, here, your 15-second video is all you need to get everybody's attention. I'm like, you can't do hardly anything in 15 seconds. I so. can't. You know, I'm old. I can't I can't get my head around that. I, I, in 15 seconds, I have, I'm just starting to pay attention, and then I'm on to the next one. I don't even know what it is. You know, yeah. so. Uh, but I don't know whether it's good or bad. I don't care. It just is. And uh, if I want to get the word out, you know, I've got to learn how people communicate and, and, and believe stuff now. I got to get into those mediums and those channels. Yeah. And I, I think you'll get it there because that's uh, I it's a fascinating thing, I think. And it's 
Well, the, the advantage I had, the advantage I had with it that no one else has, no one else yeah. who's ever pitched Atlantis has, is that everything I'm saying is decomposed into fact and mm -hmm. things you can measure um, from from source documents. So my my arguments actually frustrate people quite a bit because if they want to believe something else, they 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 try and dismiss um, my research uh, with broad sweeping strokes, and they can't. Because yeah. everything is very detailed, and even if even if I'm wrong on something, and it's like I said, it's like 50 data points. Even if I'm 100% wrong on one of them, then that changes the percentage from 99.32 to like 97. Yeah, it's and, not going to be huge. It, yeah, you've not, got your solid background versus they're just like, here's my whimsy idea that I have no proof of. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So it, some of the reviews, you know, we were talking about bad reviews. I've got some. It's funny. The worst review I got in that book is a two star review, and the person wrote something along the lines of, uh, "This this guy is a hack who who couldn't uh, write a sales receipt. Um, the book is terrible." But by God, did he continue to find Atlantis? Um, so I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, they don't like the writing style. That's fine as long yeah. as they accept. But they like, but they do accept the argument. It's a very tight argument. So yeah. I feel like you could probably use that for marketing purposes, honestly. Because there's been a few authors I've seen that have taken negative reviews and turned them into like social media marketing. Yeah, that yeah. would be a good one for that. So yeah. with your books, with having somebody out, I have to ask, how do you market? Like, what is your best? That you found the best way to market your books. All right. Do you want me to give you the holy grail of how to market if you're a, if you want to be a self-published or small published author? I can, I can give it to you, but I mean this is gold. This I, I have I have really done a lot of work to figure this yeah, model out. But I I can work. tell you. Do you want me to tell you? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's here is how you sell books. First off, you can't just have one book. Um, if you have one book, you can get lucky like the guy that wrote The Martian or whatever. But you, it's like playing the lottery. Probably you probably I would say put the book out and then go play the lottery. That's how you're going to make your money. You got to have, and you're not going to like this. You got to have five books. You have to have five books out. Three of them have to be related in some genre. They don't, they don't have to be a series, but it's better if they're a series. And this is primarily on, on Amazon, which is like 85%. Of yeah. Them. Once you have all of that, what you do is you take the two books that aren't part of your core, you make them free. You put them, you go to the Reddit free book, um, uh, uh, subs and all that stuff. Some of them have like yeah. two, two million, um, uh, so, you know, whatever members, whatever they call them. Yeah, Reddit and, is and, awesome. Yeah, so. and, you, and you put those for that, it's awesome because you, you instant, yeah. instant reach. So you put that, you put the two free ones over there. What happens is on Amazon, Amazon will market your books to people if they have touched something of yours before, which is why with one book, it doesn't matter if they love it or hate it, there's nothing else. To, to sell them or, or to show them. So you give them the, the two free ones, which just gets reach. So now you're, yeah. you're building basically your list in, in the Amazon program. Then of the three core books, you step the price. The first one, 99 cents. The second one, more than 99 cents. And the third one, whatever you think you want to sell your books. I sell my eBooks. I just upped them to 5.99. They were 4.99. Um, and then those two free ones feed in and, mm -hmm. what, and you'll see it. You'll see it in all the charts. You know, people will come over. Yeah. Some of them will spend that 99 cents. Now, if you want to, if you want to hurry up, you make that first book in the series free. Also, that's what I did with Panama Red, wherever yeah. it's here. So I, I sold sixty thousand copies of this, but then the sales they, they were down. I mean, but but you can see the chart; they go down, they go down. So I'm like, okay, now it's I'm like I'm like ranked like a hundred thousand or something. So I'm I'm selling two or three books a day, which is great. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm not I'm not building that list. So I made that free, and so now I, I get fifty to hundred downloads of that a day, and, and then all my other ones are regular price. So then it feeds that, and and the way the math works is about half 
about 35% of the people that read Panama Red, which is a good book, will, mm -hmm. will then read the, the next one. They'll buy the next one or Kindle Unlimited. They'll, they'll you know, which you still make money on. Um, and then about half the people that read that next one will read the rest of them. So about 15%. So if I, if I have 100 free downloads of Panama Red, I'm going to have 35 sales of Drive Faster, which is the second book. I'm going to have 15 to 20 sales of all the other books. Over time, it takes a month or two or three. And you yeah. just keep, keep building that pipeline, keep building that pipeline. Um, you do the Amazon countdown deals to you, the books you're selling. You don't make them free. Um, because uh, I'm now, if you, and I got 45 books, so I make the history books. I'll cycle, I always have a free one every day because there's so many yeah. of them. But if you only have five, you can't because you can't afford you can't the two things you're selling, the three things you're selling, you can't give those away. So yeah. you, you, you keep the front as a feeder, you give that away. They call it lost leaders, and then then you work with it. And if you do that, I think, oh, well, look, it worked for me, and I'm I'm not I'm I'm writing basically men's adventures, which is like the a tiny market because guys don't read books. Um, they and, do. Uh, They're just not as well, not like not like non guys do or whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it's like seventy thirty or something, you know. Yeah. So um, uh, uh, but yeah, but you you do that in your genre. You stay tight to your genre. You keep your brand. Um, and uh, matter of fact, you know, make sure your your pen name and your author photo kind of fit your brand you know all that stuff but you just do that and notice everything i've said i haven't spent a dime i haven't i haven't spent any money i i have wasted money trying all those ways to pay but you're not going to pay yeah. your way through the internet noise mm -hmm. you're not going to pay your way through amazon amazon's got millions of folks like us all paying to compete against each other to show a picture of the book that no one clicks on or if they click on it they don't buy and Amazon yeah. makes his money, makes his money, makes his money. So what I just said is the only thing I found that works. I guarantee it works. And it has come at a lot of time, expense, and effort to figure that out. Now, I've just told everyone, so this will have to be hopefully your highest rated show. Or maybe maybe I hope no one watches it now because they're going to learn my secret. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here. I'm like, okay, so I need to do this and this. with all. <laughs> it's like, okay. if, if I had it all to do over again, mm -hmm. I would not have released any books until I had five. And five is a magic number. I don't know why. It just is. Once you have yeah. five, the the way that algorithm works, we know everything's an algorithm now. Um, it starts to pick up your stuff. And I have to agree with that because I didn't start getting more traction until I had over five. So it yeah. was. Yeah. It's weird that it's like that. And some of that was in included short stories that I put out too, on top of like full on books. But it's. I don't know. It's so weird. Well, and it's just like when people put out the box sets, they 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 do it at three, but that but that doesn't attract anyone. You have to have six. People mm. will they'll buy a box set with six. So like with for Panama Red, there's only five books, but I wrote a short story to get that sixth there book in go. there, yeah. and then and then that'll sell. But if if you try and do three, you're going to be disappointed with that too. And now your three is just taking sales away from your other books, so you're losing sales rankings on both. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, that's the other piece of advice I'd have is um. When you do put your box set together, take the individual books down. Um, you're not going to want to because you've spent years getting all the reviews and everything. But that, but if you can funnel everything towards that box set, you might get it to chart again. And mm -hmm. getting on those Amazon charts is key to everything because that because that's free marketing. Yeah, it is. Get those bestsellers, and you're like here, everybody. So yeah, yeah. I managed to do that with the box that I released this summer and I was super excited because that was Good. my first time as a bestseller. I was like, gross, I finally got it. <laughs> like it's there. Worked my butt off to do it and yeah. planned way more in advance than I did with the other stuff. But I, I'm, I'm learning. I haven't been in the author field as long either. So it's just, it's like there's things you pick up as you go and you just yeah. stoke it all in. 
So, yeah. So I'm going to take you to another realm here. Okay. As a reader, what is your favorite genre to read? Do you read something similar to what you write? Well, that is a good question. The answer would be yes. However, I mostly coming into before I started writing, I mostly read sci-fi. So my first book, my first book was a Western. I like Westerns. But then the, after that, I moved to sci-fi and I wrote like six books. Ooh. But it turns out I'm not that good at sci-fi. <laughs> so <laughs> I switched to the the uh, the ghost stories because I like those. I've read a ton of Stephen King. I like early Stephen King. I don't like, I don't like current Stephen King. Yeah. Um, but then what I found is I, I took for Panama Red, I was able to wrap some of my military experiences into the story again i'm not in the story it's not me doing it but things that happened i was able to craft in, into the story and that's what people like the most these thrillers that seems to be everyone tells me that um it's uh sci-fi and fantasy are, are huge big markets I, I can't resonate in those markets yeah. i resonated in the thriller genre mm -hmm. and once you've done this enough you you got it. You're going to write the books that sell, you know, because that's just how it is. And I enjoy writing. I enjoy the characters. I'm working on this the seventh Dirk Lasher. That's my my main yeah. character uh, book right now. So yeah, so I'm writing mostly thrillers. I, those are all. They're all genres that I've read, um, and they're, they're the only genres that I that I read. So yeah, I am in what I read, but it wasn't in the order of of my my preference, or it's not in the order of what I liked. I guess uh, would be the way to put it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna take another crack at sci-fi. I'm done with this book. I've got an idea because I think I'm I'm experienced enough now where uh, I think I can write a good sci-fi book. I, I believe it. I believe in you. You can do it. So <laughs> anything oh. you put your mind to, you can do it. I think. I'm, so. I'm sold. I'm sold. I believe you. Yes, and I I write my my stuff's all mixed fantasy, romance, paranormal kind of stuff, but it tends yeah. to lean towards the seamier kind of romance, which I found kind of does better for me towards, towards the what kind the what kind the, of romance the steamy kind of romance oh, steamy yeah. yeah see i'm i just i you know i i won't go there i mean my <laughs> the bedroom door is closed in my book <laughs> and there's say. nothing wrong with that because i do have somewhere it is it's cleaner stuff yeah um, but the series i'm trying to finish up right now i had a little bit of a setback this year because we i had family pass away and stuff oh, that's too happened, bad. So Sorry. it's okay it, was kind of prepared for it kind of wasn't anyway it's but i'm i started working back on edits for the book too it's going to be a trilogy today and i'm like okay like there's a lot of action and fighting scenes in it too so i'm kind of like okay what do i define this as <laughs> exactly because it doesn't it's right. weird because some books you come across they just don't fit in one genre and well you know and my and just like this, the paranormal books i do they don't really fit i mean it's like four or five mm -hmm. different genres um and you just gotta i don't know you know some people would tell you, look on Amazon and find the, the categories that are the weakest to make that the genre. But that's yeah. actually bad advice because they're the weakest for a reason. It's better, it's better to throw yourself out there with the big boys and, mm -hmm. and fight your way to the top. Because, you know, if, if a category is populated with a lot of popular books, that's because it's a popular category. That's um, true. Yeah. So, and so I hadn't just, thought of it like that because, like, I know there's also the, like, to easier, like, the kind of almost like the go around to get yourself on the bestseller list is to put them in those weaker categories but yeah. that's right if you want to see how it does compared to with its actual categories it is good to put them in yeah look if you yeah. if you just starting out and you're just trying to get some self-assurance yeah then pick trans transcendental cooking or you know whatever um <laughs> you know i mean it's, it's got to be some it's got to be related to some degree but yeah. throw it in there and then you get three book sales and you're number seven and you feel good and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but you're not going to ever bust into making money 
um, with that. So and not that you're ever going to make, not that you're going to make a lot of money doing this anyway. Um, yeah. But even, I mean, I've sold over a hundred thousand books and I can't, I can't, I couldn't earn my living doing this, but it, but I noted, I noticed the income, don't get me wrong. It's an important part of yeah. my, you know, my side hustles, as I say. Yes, it is definitely a lot of, and I, kudos to those who can make a living off of this. Cause it's, it's hard. It is very hard because we, as any creative, you, starting out and like being new into it, you you don't make hardly anything, especially if you're pricing them low, and you kind I, of have to do that to get hard. a lot. A lot of the people that are uh, that have been doing this for a long time, when Amazon really started doing this about 10, 12 years ago, mm -hmm. um, there weren't hardly any authors in their author program, so it was easier to compete, and they gave you the chance to make the book free for like a week. But the rankings counted against everything else. There was only one set of rankings. So what happened was um, people come along. They have an okay book. It's fine. But they made it free. And, you know, they got 800,000 downloads, mm -hmm. which now means what I just told you. Now they have 800,000 people who Amazon is going to market their stuff to. So the book's a little bit of a success. But now they do the next one. And they're like, holy cow. You know, they have all these people, all these people. And it just keeps building. So they skipped, you know, five years of work because they got they got. It was it was lucky that not to be the good authors, but it, they got there early. Now it's so much harder because you know there's, I think I think I don't know what the number is, but it's something like a million books a year or something like that. New books Amazon puts out. So, yeah, you know you're it's really lot. it's really noisy. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot harder to get noticed now. Yeah, All, but don't don't pay for it. You're not going to pay your way to the top. I mean, unless money doesn't mean anything to you. Um, but if money does, if money doesn't mean anything to you, you're probably not a writer. So, mm. yeah. Hold on. What? Good. Okay. Go put your go put the what's left in the trash and put the plate in the sink. Okay. And go play. Sorry. He finally ate his lunch. So. Oh, and he's, and he's going to put his plate in his sink. Yes. I don't think I ever learned that. We've been working on that. Like <laughs> it's parenting is hard. And like that's yeah. another thing. Like you're writing now. How, what is your writing schedule like? Well, okay. So here's my schedule. Um, I, I, now I'm very lucky with COVID. Lots of us work from home now, but I, I actually own two companies because I'm an entrepreneur and it's very hard to start a company that actually makes money, but I have two of them, not a lot, but enough to where I don't have to spend, I have to go somewhere and there's no one watching if I get there at eight and if I leave at five. Um, so I have a home office here and uh, I get up in the morning. I've, I've, the very easy mornings, I typically wake up around six or six 30, but that's just naturally, that's my body clock. And then by the time I've had coffee and get over here, it's by eight o'clock. And then I'll, I will spend, I'll start writing at eight and then I write until um, I've hit at least a thousand words or if I'm having a good day, then I keep going. I try and hit at least 1500 words a day on, on the weekdays. Uh, and that will, some, that will take me anywhere from nine 30 to 10. And then I, then I'm, but I'm on the computer, I'm answering emails. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm interacting in my, my job that pays uh, and then I'm, then I'm done. Then I'm working. Um, now, if I have a lull in the afternoon and I feel energetic, I might go back and try and do another thousand words. And then on the weekends, I will try and do between 2,000 and 6,000 words, uh, which and those are 6,000. I've only I only hit that a couple of days. Those are big days. And you have to be careful because if, if I write, if I write too much, my writing goes what I call flat. So it just becomes kind of uninteresting. So that's the morning piece. Then at night, instead of reading someone else's book, what I do on my iPad, because um, I back up all my files to the Google Cloud thing. Um, so when I go to bed, I have my iPad and then I open what I wrote that day. Actually, I, I go back a day or two because a thousand words or two thousand, you know, writing it, it takes two and a half hours. Reading it, it takes a couple minutes, not, not that long. So I'll read back 
Um, and then I'll, as I read through, I make little edits, you know, if I got it from, for, to the, you know, all that little stuff. I won't do big plot points, but I'll just basically clean it up, basically edit it and make sure I've got the story right. Make sure where I stopped the prior day flows seamlessly into where I wrote today. Um, and then I'll read it and I might read it twice or three times just until I get tired and go to bed. Um, then when I wake up all night, my subconscious has been percolating and I know what the story is. And then I start writing again. So it's, so it's a circle. So I don't have a, first, I don't have drafts anymore. I don't have a first draft. By the time I'm done with the book, I've read the, the beginning in, into the middle of the book a hundred times, 30 times, you know, I mean, so much that, um, uh, I get done. There's the work to do to clean it up at the end. I have an editor that I like a lot. Sometimes I'll send to the editor first. Sometimes I'll send it to the test readers first. I, I, there's no perfect way to do that. I, I tend to go to the test readers first, although then they'll bitch about all the stuff the editor would have found. But if I go to the editor first and then the, the, the uh, test readers have input I'm going to use because I don't always use all their input, then I'm now making edits without that second set of editor eyes because I don't want to have to go to the editor a second time. So whatever, I, I do that. Um, I'll finalize the cover, the book blurb, and, and the book is out. I like that method. That's actually pretty cool. And it makes it a little bit easier to get the books out. I haven't ever thought about going back and like reading over it like that. Yeah. I did recently read something like if you put your, your manuscript, like on a different device or print it out. <laughs> Bribery. <laughs> yes, dude, it works. Yeah. But I read that if you put it on a different device and look it over after like typing it up on the computer, you can catch some of your errors better. Have you absolutely. found that? Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's why I do that. I you look, your brain is is your biggest asset and your worst enemy when you're writing yeah. because uh, and which is why you change devices. I change context. So I'm in the office. I'm looking at it. Now it's not, it's dark. I'm reading it like a real book. Um, it's on a different device and you can catch more. You still can't catch everything. The only way to catch everything and be your own editor is to finish, put it away for a month or two or three, mm -hmm. and then come back. It's still going to be friendly to, you know, you, you're still going to feel associated with it, but you can see it objectively. And it's not, this isn't just something you learn. It's not about ego. It's your brain. It's just, it fills in the blanks. It knows what you were trying to do and remembers. So that's what it feeds you. Um, another strategy is to read it out loud. Yeah. Uh, which, which, but that's, that's, I mean, my wife's sleeping, you know, what am I going to do? So you're yelling action scenes, you know, yes. I'm no, so that doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah. But, but, but you go with it. And the other thing this does is it keeps me in the details of the story. So I don't have a character with blonde hair that now has dark hair or, you know, or, because I'm, I'm constantly, I'm in the story, in the story. And I live that story for however long it takes to write the book, which I I've written books as fast as five weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've had them take, as I told you, two years. So it's just, yeah. and, and the other thing I've learned is not like a baby. It's not nine months. It's, it's done when it's done. It's a pot of stew. When it's ready, it's ready. Yeah, and that's true. And I think a lot of authors have a hard time deciding when it's reached that point. But I don't know. I feel like I finally found that point. I'm like, okay, I go through it once, send it to like beta readers and stuff, do another run through, send it to editors. And then once it's done with the editors, yeah, like it's done. Gonna... But it, it's a work of art. It's never, it's never going to be finished. You just have mm -hmm. to stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you can, once, if you read it, if you read it a couple times and you feel like the characters are sufficiently run around, you know, you don't need yeah. to just destroy them in every scene. So, yeah. you know, you, you probably have enough in there. It's probably okay. Uh, yeah. I, I almost, I, I, the Dirk Lasher series, mm -hmm. I, I was almost done after this last book, which was the end of that, the six book series. Because I'm like, I can't put this guy through anything else. I just feel bad for him at this point. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then I was like, nah, yeah, hold on. he's got he's got more in him. So there's yes. more adventures. Yeah. 
sweet. Well, we have hit our end note. We've got our time in. So go ahead and tell our listeners and viewers where they can find you and your work. Uh, the best the best place to find me is Frequency99.com. The two nines are numbers, Frequency99.com. That's the publisher website. All my books are up there, and it links to all the wonderful places you can uh, get them. Many of them are free. You just heard my strategy on that. So a lot of my books, especially the first books in series, are free. Uh, the Smalls, which is uh, one of my paranormal books, is currently free. Paranormal Red is free. Um, so check it out if you like it. Um, there's plenty more where that came from. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All right, Madeline. Thank you very much.